0: Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be.
1: So I have Veronica here with me, and I really want to thank you for being so courageous to take this coaching conversation that we're about to have. And this is our first official coaching conversation. I know we've uh, been in contact with each other before. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, This takes a little bit of courage to have your coaching conversation recorded and shared, but you had a topic that so many people struggle with and can relate to that um, I thank you for generously sharing this with the world. So how are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm doing well. I'm a mom, first and foremost, I think.
0: Not I think, but I am. I have a 16 year old boy and an 18 year old girl um, who's headed off to college in the fall. I'm married. I've been an engineer for 23 years now, performing different cap- capacities in that field. I've done design work and design um, mechanical and plumbing systems for commercial buildings. And I've done some of that. I've been a project manager for those same systems. Um, I've spent some time in pharmaceutical companies helping them expand their plants and um, processes. And just about nine months ago, I started a new job as a sales engineer for a construction company.
1: I love the way you say that <laughs> people don't know yet that that is a loaded term for you, but we could hear it in your voice. <laughs> you're, you're going along. Oh, I do this and I do this and I'm a sales engineer. <laughs> I still don't,
0: I can't own it yet for some reason.
1: <laughs> okay. So we will, we will talk more about that. Um, so I'm just so excited that we're, um, finally meeting like this because we have crossed paths in many different ways. First of all, when you read my book and you, got, you reached out to me and then you joined my academy and then, and then you joined my Reduce Overwhelm Boost Productivity Program and this was part of my reach out and um, you won a raffle to have a free coaching and yay, here we are. We're going to be buddies forever. So um, I asked you to send me your situation and what was painful about it. And I wish I could just read it verbatim because it was so beautiful. No. <laughs> it was just one mashed up paragraph. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mashed up paragraph of, here's my pain. And um, and I, so if we boil it down, we're going to use the stair model here. And the first step is to describe the situation without all the extra elements. So without all the thoughts and emotions and adjectives and adverbs that we had. So... I was trying to boil it down and one of the things I came up with was you went um, from taking three months off to transitioning into a new role that you're nine months into and the title is sales engineer. Would you you say that is the situation? Yes, (laughs) yes. The pause was temptation, or what was? What was the, uh, well? I'm fine do? with half of the title.
0: It's one half of the title that's the struggle,
1: but the situation.
0: <laughs> yes, is that
1: that the situation
0: is, is yes.
1: That is the fact.
0: Yes, I left my last job because I I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. So I took some time, and this is what
2: the path I took.
1: Was it the path you wanted to take
2: or you've taken for another um, reason? It wasn't a, now that I'm scared of it, it wasn't a scary path. It was
0: a very comfortable path. Um, it's a financially stable path. It's, um, there's a lot of easy and comfortable things about it. I'm working with people that I know well and have known for a very long time. Um, so yes, that's the situation.
1: Okay, so the situation is you took a job with nice people that you know that makes you a good income. Yes. <laughs> okay, so those are the facts. And then thoughts you are having. Now we get to the fun part. You get to tell us what, that, what the thoughts are that come up for you that make your voice change when you describe your title.
2: I'm not a salesman. I'm
1: not a salesperson. Yes, well, I'm gonna say salesperson because you're that's definitely right. not a salesman. Definitely.
0: Well, no. <laughs> yeah. I've been in a male-dominated field. It doesn't even cross my mind the gender right. thing. So,
1: okay. So, is that the most painful one, or is there anything else? No, I think that that's it. That's technically, I can
0: do this job. I have no question in my mind. Um, but socially. That's where I'm very nervous.
1: Okay, I'm going to add that to lovely things about the job. Um, that you are technically proficient at the job. Yes. <laughs> okay. We're <laughs> going to put that over in that column. Yes. All right. So you boiled it down to I'm not a salesperson. Uh, and what emotion do you feel when you, or emotions do you feel when you think, or you introduce yourself? or you tell people your title as I'm a sales engineer um, and I'm not a salesperson, what do you, what do you feel?
0: I feel nervous. Um, well, there's nervous and anxiety. Um, I'm an engineer. I have a lot of introvert stuff going on. The small talk, the, the social aspect of what I think a salesman is really makes me nervous.
1: Where where do you think you learned what salespeople are?
0: Um, I would say from my peers.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, and peers now.
0: Peers now. Peers in the past. Same from the people who were doing the sales. Um. In the past and per- present, right now.
1: And what did what did they do that became your model for sales?
2: I don't know that it's. Well, this
0: is where I can do this job technically. It's, it's, I have no desire to take someone to lunch. I am, I don't play golf. I'm not going to take someone and do that. And I'm not going to go do these relationship building things that aren't in, this, in my, maybe in my mind or in some, just aren't needed to get the job done.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're more cultural Norms for people in that position.
1: So, just to double check, so I asked you about you know what you learned about these from your peers, and it sounds like you learned from your peers that sales means playing golf and taking people to lunch.
0: I think that that's a portion of what they do. <laughs> okay,
2: and they're good at it. Uh huh. Um, have you ever been sold to?
0: don't I I'm not a very good person to be sold to I got sold a car once back in 2001 and since then I don't trust anybody that tries to sell me
1: so when you go into have you ever have you bought a car since then
0: yeah I've bought three
1: how do you do it well
0: I know what I'm willing to pay Uh and don't If you start to tell me all of these flowery things or all these great deals,
2: I immediately stop believing you.
1: Do you think there are other people like you who who that turns off?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm just laughing because... No wonder you're in pain. Your role model for sales is a car dealer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's not. They're very kind people, and I don't think that they're slimy. But I do think that there's a method that they use to build relationships that gets them helps them sell things that I just that's not going to be me.
1: Um, so I've just so I I think everybody. Listening can relate to this, um, and I have to say the last two experiences I had buying cars were the first two experiences I've ever had buying cars because they were my first two experiences as a single woman, and that was something I had always delegated to the man, <laughs> whether it was my father or it was my husband. And um, I don't—I'm just me and authentic. And and what you're describing—I'm allergic to that whole schmoozing and flowery. Oh, it's got this and this. And I had two of the most authentic experiences buying a car. I mean, it was like everything was just open the books, look, show how pathetic the margins are. Like I knew everything and they knew everything. About, I mean, so it was this dance of authenticity and it was so beautiful. And I ended up finding about them as human beings and, and, um, and I loved, loved both of my cars like loved. I will have this kind of car forever and ever and ever. So personally, that's the kind of salesperson I want to be across from. So I don't know who the people are that I think the people who want to go golfing and want to go to lunch, they need a buddy. They want a buddy Mm -hmm. and what a buddy looks like to them is that perhaps lots of us want buddies. What by, and by that, I mean, we want a human connection of, of whatever, to whatever capacity we can deal with. Mm-hmm. So I, maybe they're having authentic conversations out on the golf course. I don't know. Um, I, but I doubt they're talking a lot of business. Uh, so you're not going to be the person to go play golf. That's okay.
0: Yeah. I, I still struggle with that. That's okay.
1: Ah. Well, okay. So is there a policy in your company? No. You just have this, this unwritten plaque on your wall that says a salesperson does. Yes. Yes. So who in your life have you ever bought something from and been so glad that you bought that thing?
2: I don't know <laughs> what about I'm
1: just curious you have somebody yeah. going into college
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, did the college try and help you understand whether they were a good match for your dog was it your drop your, your daughter right? it's my daughter yeah did the college mm-hmm. help you make that decision or did you guys just do all the research on your own and figure it out I think that when we did on our own mm-hmm. um. what about your house did you have a real estate agent
0: I did. He was very patient with me because it was three uh-huh. years of looking.
1: Aww. You gave that person a lot of money too to help you. I did. Yeah. I I, I did,
0: but he was very kind for three years.
1: <laughs> That's a good salesperson.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was a friend before he was a real estate agent.
1: Aww. So, yeah. So let's talk yeah. about him. So would you, would you say that this real estate agent is how you would want y- – you would want to feel like you felt in that process.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Okay. So let's, let's, mark, let's mark out what you, you said. You were, you said he was patient. He was a friend. So somebody who had earned your trust. Yeah. You, yeah. What yeah. else, what else made him a friend to you? Cause we can know people for a long time, but they're not our friends.
0: He was um, at my first job. He was also an engineer left to become a, so he was kind of a mentor for me. Um, He was someone that I could look to. I liked how he worked with people and how he um, dealt with situations so I could, um, and his office was right next to mine, so I could really lean on him um, when I needed something. I was, at my first job, I was 10 years younger than anyone else in my position and the very first woman in the company to hold that position. So in my mind, I actually didn't have those hurdles. But now looking back, there were instances where those others did not appreciate those things about me.
1: Um, but it was never him. So he, he was not judgmental?
2: No, not at all.
1: So it sounded like he was a mentor, so he was kind of generous, helpful. Mm-hmm
0: respectful respected my opinion
2: kind of would help me think through things would have been just push things on you yeah uh what else about the anything else about the mentorship i'm guessing mentorship meant good like good listener really good listener yeah He was just really like thoughtful and methodical on how he did things. So
0: I could just really, I trusted his judgment and also um, could understand and relate to his thought process.
1: Very important for an engineer. Yeah. Right? For you to trust yes. the thought process versus yeah. like, oh, I trust your gut instincts. No, that's not going to work for you. No, that actually <laughs> doesn't work at all. That would be the opposite of working. My spidey says you're going to like this house. you like, no, I don't like you. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've already decided I don't like the house.
0: Yeah. I mean, okay. I made a list three years earlier of what I wanted, and the house we live in was that list that I had given him three years earlier.
1: Nice. Yeah. So you were clear, and he knew. He knew what you wanted. Yeah. And he wasn't going to try and push something that you didn't want on me. Nope. Okay, I'm gonna read through this list okay. and you tell me
2: not just him, but is
1: this what you would like in a salesperson? And, and let's think about your job. Like if, if you your customers, mm-hmm. think about are there customers in the world who would like, and I'm just gonna go through the list of what you just said, who would like someone who's patient, who they can trust. Who thinks like an engineer, who's not judgmental, who's respectful, who listens well, who's thoughtful and methodical. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Who's not going to push something on them because of their impatience, but who is going to listen and figure out what they need. And if there are gaps in their thinking, is probably going to ask good questions to get the whole picture Mm -hmm. because you don't you know you can't solve an engineering problem this is this is the one place where you can be perfect perfect is in engineering (laughs) 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 like I you know other Mm -hmm. other places writing uh coaching whatever it's there is no perfectionism
0: well but this isn't like rocket science engineering so it doesn't even have to be that perfect which is why I
1: like it (laughs) so there's some creativity allowed here so yeah. you can bring some creativity to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, like was your house perfect when you moved in or did you have to like paint some things or?
0: No, actually I looked at it with a realtor and he's, and I said, I don't like it. And he said, let's bring your husband back. Cause I needed to paint everything.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: we replaced, had to replace all the flooring. Um, not right away, but it just wasn't what I was looking for. And, but he knew it was. And so he brought Jim back with me to make sure that, Because he knew it was the right one.
1: Mm. Okay. So you also want somebody who can push up against you. When when you find the right solution for them and they're not seeing it, Mm -hmm. you can help them calibrate and say, this isn't me making this up. This is based on what you've told me. Yeah. Look at what, so, you know, let's assume we're not going to find a perfect response. We're not going to find the perfect answer for you. Let's weigh the pros and cons here, like Mm -hmm. some paint cans and some flooring. Yeah. Okay, so I'm meeting your logical needs, I can tell. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We still have the emotional attachment to that word. Uh, So when I asked you what you feel, you said nervous, anxious, I bet there's more. Any other things that come up when you hear the word sales engineer, when you're described or introduced?
2: I don't know, I think that the anxious one is just really the big one. Yeah, I just, it's the like the
0: social anxiety along with, I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know how to do what I think a salesperson should do.
1: So it's less, here. it sounds like it's less about the purpose of the job and more about what you think the job is going to require of you socially that causes the anxiety. Yes. Okay. So. we've we've already established that there is no company rule that says you have to play golf with people correct
2: (laughs) or take them to lunch or
1: or take them to lunch yes um so do you ever go to i'm just wondering do you ever go to lunch
0: i do um i do it takes me a long time to connect with someone and feel comfortable Mm -hmm. um and then i'm fine once that happens Mm -hmm. um but I don't take clients to lunch. Just, I don't call them up and say, Hey,
2: let's go to lunch.
1: Yeah. What does long time mean to you when you say it takes a long time to build trust? Um, it looks,
2: I mean, it can take a month, like for a coworker, it takes a good month for me to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm.
0: So someone I'm seeing five days a week, eight hours a day, um, it's a good month of small, short conversations before I can initiate a, you know, I don't know that it has to be meaningful, but it, you know, a much longer conversation. Mm -hmm. It would take a month before I'd feel comfortable going to lunch with a co-worker. I would still do it beforehand, but I wouldn't, I would feel pretty nervous about it.
1: What, so I know different people have different uh, horizon lines when it comes to how long it takes for trust. Um, What is it you think you need in order to feel like you can trust somebody?
2: I don't know, but I don't know if it's trust. Um, Because
0: I feel like I'm a pretty trusting person until you give me a reason not to. And it can be really small reason not to just for me to start backing off. But I feel like I start from a position... No, maybe I
1: don't agree with what I'm saying anymore. Um, no, I think I think I, I think we're on to something here. There's a difference between trust and comfort. hmm And you've also used the word introvert. Mm-hmm. So for introverts, two of the scariest words in the human language are uh, networking oh, and sales. Oh. <laughs>
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> Do you know why they have alcohol at engineering events with
1: networking? Because we can't. <laughs> yes. So I never use the word networking other than how we're doing it here, making ourselves laugh. laugh. Um, and I have this, I have this too. I, I'm kind of on the amber version part of the introvert extrovert scale. But if, um, if I don't go into a party with the right mindset, Mm-hmm. I could freak out. And uh, when I got divorced, I made a point of, you know, not going and standing in a corner in places, but forcing myself to go up to people. <sighs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually start getting into a little bit of tools here. But the only reason I'm going to this this fast is because you need a different way of being able to see this. Because the model you have for chit-chat lunches is freaking you out. Yes. When I can tell you have the ability to build connection with people, like you are just beaming with this ability to build (laughs) connection with people. But there's something in your mind about what that looks like from a smarmy surface point of view that just doesn't feel good. Um, And I personally think that humans crave authentic connection. And if I ever run across somebody who's incapable of doing that, I'm not gonna hang out with them for very long. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But I find, I, I can't even remember the last time that that happened to me because humans crave authentic contact. We need it, our vagus nerve, the nerve that regulates our fight flight system only gets developed through safe connections with other people. So when we don't have that, And people who are traumatized in a household where they didn't have a safe environment, have a very hard time connecting. And I try to remember that when I come up to people who are just really brusque or, uh, you know, say things that push people away uh, is that they, they don't have a developed vagus nerve. So I think it is a gift when we can be authentic and real. And sometimes that means like, I don't even know what to do in a networking session, you know, saying something like that, but So I had a room of 200 technical people and the head of the department, the VP of the department was an extroverted leader, but he was also a very empathetic leader. And he said, um, he wanted me to come and do something about influence. (laughs) Um, that he needed his people to be able to influence better. They were geniuses technically. And I had them do this, I'm going to put it in air quotes, networking exercise, where they had to write down three things that they have, that they possess, that they like sharing with other people. Some kind of knowledge or a recent book they read or a skill they have that they just love sharing with the world. Maybe they're really handy. And if you ever have a broken fence, whatever, it could be random. It could be nothing to do with work. Uh... And then they had to come up with three things they're looking for from people. And again, it might be work-related. It might be, I need a nanny. I'm looking for a college for my kid. You know, anything. <laughs> and they would go up to each other and they would read from their list. <laughs> <laughs> and the, com- the, the the noise in the room went from dead silence to like, the ceilings were shaking. I mean, they, there was so much energy in the room of just being able to share. And there wasn't always a match because like not everybody needs their fence fixed (laughs) or or, uh, their car worked on or something like that. But a lot of people found these weird connections like, oh, my sister needs that. Or, oh, I know somebody who's looking at that school. Or so they found all these connections. But the main thing was to go in with this sense of giving and receiving.
2: Oh. I like it because I
0: I think why part of why I feel good about my technical stuff is that I know what to talk about. Yeah. But it's hard to make a connection with people on that with those things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Cause there's only so long you can talk about toilets. So <laughs> and plumbing and that kind of stuff. So More important. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um so are you, is this something that you use, like just any time you
1: meet someone or
0: you're trying to
1: So act? you can use this spirit of, of mm-hmm. giving and receiving anytime you meet with this person. Okay. Here's where I think you're having some pain. I think you feel like you have to initiate. So because you said, I don't know what to talk about. Like I have to come up with the subject you feel that way
2: a little bit
1: what if you here's another exercise that I do and this one is holy cow it's so good (laughs) so (laughs) um I have a list of questions and I have people just pick an open-ended question to ask of somebody Mm -hmm. could be I mean how's your day going I don't you know it's just what have you been up to this weekend? What have you been up to? So for how's your week going? Something like that. And then you listen. And you might even ask a follow-up question. Oh, say more about that. And here's, here's the trick. I have people only listen and ask questions until you hear something you have in common. Okay. And it could be anything. I mean anything that you can have in common so you know let's say somebody brings up that they had to take their cat to the vet and you hate cats okay you're just gonna (laughs) keep asking more questions (laughs) you know you're not gonna say oh i have a dog (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're not gonna say that because now you have emphasized a difference uh it could be oh i used to have a cat and she passed away and then we decided to adopt this dog and my dog has actually has cat-like tendencies so you know what we're, what we're doing is creating that n- necessary ingredient for trust, and that is commonality. Okay. So the brain is constantly scanning for threat. And one of the ways it does that is through sight. So we immediately pick up any differences we have in people. Gender, age, color of skin, shape of eye, uh, what they're wearing. And We're doing this so fast that it is, for the most part, non-conscious. We're making these decisions non-consciously. Can I trust you or not? And then the person opens their mouth and we may have assessed, okay, you're cool. Your brain has said, you're cool, you're in my tribe. But then they open their mouth and they say something, whether it's a political party or whatever, they say something and then, "Uh uh-oh, no, you're different than me. So we're scanning for that all the time. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing with this question and sharing is you're giving them this gift of reciprocity, that uh, similarity. And it can really be as silly as we both have dogs and we both like dogs or we both are parents. Um, We can always find something we have in common with somebody. we both like sunny days. We both like being outside, whatever it is. Um, And then we start that vagus nerve starts to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. We start to get out of the stress mode. you're getting stressed for a couple of reasons. One, this identity, uh, this feeling fraudulent that I'm not really a salesperson because salespeople do this thing. Uh, hopefully, unless they change your title, we can just get you to reinvent what salesperson means with that list, which I'm going to send you if you haven't, if you haven't already jotted it down that list of what a salesperson really needs to be.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and then you're just going to come up with some good questions to ask. The next time you are about to go into a conversation. Okay. And it can be as simple as so tell me about yourself, which isn't even really a question, it's a command, but it works really well. Right. So open. When was the last time somebody said to you, so tell me about yourself? Except for me today.
0: <laughs> a few minutes ago.
1: <laughs> it's such a big, awesome question. In fact, I have a team who is having their first all-team, all-hands meeting online and I'm going to actually number the questions and have the person who's on the receiving side tell the asker, ask me question number three. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to cut to the chase and go directly, because we don't have a lot of time, go directly to the question that they really, really want people to ask them. Because they, they have an answer to it and it's an interesting answer, and they want people to know about them. They want people to know who they are. So, since we can't say to the person that we're just meeting in this, whatever interaction you're having, which question do you want me to ask you? That would be a little awkward. Um, we just ask them in broad, open ended questions. Like, what else? Oh, that's fascinating. Say more about that. Uh, you went to camp there too? So did I. Uh, and then, oh, Kismet, yeah. relationship, trust. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I guess I feel like I just I feel like I had one of those interactions over the phone. I don't remember if it was I think it was last Friday. Um and it was good. Both grown up here, you know, it was a good conversation that probably we wouldn't have had face to face. Um but it was a good and it built it built that link that then when I met him for the first time face to face today, it was there and it was much more, more comfortable.
1: Awesome. Okay. So you've tapped into something that a lot of people took a long time to learn, and that is that the visual input is so overwhelming and distracting for us as human beings. Mm-hmm. We get about 80% of our information from our eyes. It's, it's overwhelming. So my first experience of a coach was um, she was on the phone, and I felt like she was sitting right beside me. And I felt so free. So the more you can do that, it sounds like that's going to be helpful for you.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and whether
1: they know it or not, it's going to be helpful for them. Oh, let's just have a chat. Let's just have a phone chat.
0: Yeah. That's true. I rely on email a lot mm-hmm. and I need, to, and I think that that's maybe a good way to
1: stop that. Yeah. Pick up the phone, hear a voice. Yeah. You'll hear the dog barking in the background. You can ask about it. <laughs> yes.
0: Kids running around right now. You hear kids. Everyone's at home. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think that's going to be really good for you.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Some people I never even meet face-to-face, mm-hmm. just in the nature of what we do. But um, but I, that's, a good, that's a really good thing for me to start with.
1: I have some super-duper close friends that I have never met. And I've, I've seen their face, but I've never actually, um, I've, my book designer in Spain, we're now like buddies. Oh, my yeah. um, my technology person in Pakistan, we're like bosom buddies. I've, and I've only, I don't even think I've heard their voice. Wow. But I feel like we're friends. I mean, I, we are friends. Uh, like, dear friends. So, yeah, you can, you can totally do this. We have to just um, deal with this attachment, this negative attachment that you have. Um, and I get it. I get it. I, you know, If I don't sell, then I don't fulfill my mission in this life, which is to help as many people as I can. I can help a lot of people, but if I don't earn a living from doing it, then I can't help them. I have right. to, I have to go and work for a company where I'm helping fewer people. So it's, you know, now I have to feel, figure out the mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. know, So that's, but I'm over, I'm over the, you know, snake oil part of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, what will it take for you to redefine and take, take ownership, just remodel this word, sales engineer, for yourself? And why is it called sales engineer? Why, don't, why aren't you, like, called customer happiness engineer? <laughs>
0: um, well, I'm doing two, two different – I have two different roles. Um, And so one of them is sales, get work. And then sometimes that work is someone just thinking they need something, but they don't have um, like an actual plan or a design for it. So then I do the engineer part. So in some cases, I'm doing both of those on one project. And then sometimes they've already got the design already done. That's figured out. So I'm just doing the sales part.
1: Okay. Okay. So they've got the design part. So you're trying to get them to choose you guys over somebody else or what's, what's the goal? Yes. Okay. And what's the benefit of them choosing you over someone else?
2: Um,
0: it's, it's, that's where it's more of me selling the company than it is necessarily me. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes I can, um, provide value on the front end, but after we get the work, I've handed it off to someone else to take care of. So it's, it's showing that the company they're choosing my company and that's the value that they're getting. Um, and why we're, we're better than the other guys down the street.
1: Do you believe that you believe in your company? I do. Oh, well that's handy.
0: <laughs> yes. I, I, there are things that can be improved, but I do, I fully believe in the company.
1: And has the company given you sales training, you know, the mechanics of it, like uh, the process, the questions, things like that?
0: Um, I wouldn't say no. I don't think they have. I mean, not in a formal fashion, let's put it that way.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Project by project, um, item by item, we go through and review how to do things. But I don't think it's, it's not that formal. It's not a big company. It's 120 people.
1: How would you feel about learning a little bit from somebody that you really respect in terms of having the right kind of sales heart? You know, somebody who wants Mm -hmm. the customer to make make a good good decision. Um, How would you feel about learning that, either from a book or a mentor? uh, Hmm.
2: Yeah, I think if I had the right person. So um, my
0: boss is also someone I've known forever. Um, sorry, <laughs> a little barking in the background here. Um, and so we know each other very well. Um, and we're very different. He's he's that extrovert. He can, um, and he fits the more what in my mind is a salesman, but is also authentic. So it's not that he's not meeting that too, but that um, it's just, maybe it's easier for him or he's, it's something he can do more naturally now, whether or not it was always been that way. Um, so it's, so coming from him, it, it doesn't feel like that's the place where I'm headed or yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's, I'm on a different path, I guess.
1: Yeah. You need to find a different way of authentically doing sales. Yeah. Um, well, the little bit I read about sales is, uh, written for an introvert in that it's all about understanding. And sometimes understanding can feel like prying. I know I remember, I don't know, I'm sure there was a time in my life when I would have never asked the questions that I ask of people right now. I mean, oh God, I ask people the most personal questions. (laughs) And I used to be so shy and so quiet and... Um, There was an activity I had to do as part of coaching where I had to go out and talk to strangers. And I got addicted to it. And now I, like, give compliments to strangers in lines. And my my daughter's just cracking up. She's like, Mom, please don't put that, please don't fold that person's tag back in. Please don't fold that person's tag back in. But oh, honey, I want to help. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> what does she need to know? So I'll just tap on her shoulder. Your tags out. <laughs> oh, thank you. Nobody. So I went from. I'm still. Uh, I, I'm still an ambivert. You know, I'm still like not wanting to go out to a party. I like staying at home. Um, but now I feel like oh, I have this craving for human connection, and no superfluous. I mean, if I see something. Lovely about a person. I just tell them. So, anyways, it can be done with practice, um, okay. but I think you need this this uh, combination of some framework. And I think, I mean, I have some books on my shelf that I could tell you about. But even if you just googled sales for introverts, okay, <laughs> I bet you there would be some fascinating things that would come up, and you would read them and go, "Thank you, finally, finally, somebody gets me." <laughs> Um, we don't want to party we just want to understand the product and does it fit and can i trust you to tell me what does and doesn't fit um i'll never forget when i was looking for a house and i was i mean it's all emotional buying we buy emotionally not logic. and my real estate agent looked at me and goes what do you even like about this house and i was just laughing like you really don't like it do you and she went through very like an engineer she went through well it's got this it's got this it's got this like Oh, that's good points. (laughs) (laughs) um, Saved me. And I even had another one before that who said, I don't think you should get this house. And I made the emotional buy anyways. And she was right. So (laughs) we need these people in our lives to, uh, you know, these introverts to just be real with us. And the more you can start to get some practice at asking these questions and asking follow-up questions and see... The flowering that comes from somebody because they don't get asked questions very often. And when they do, it's like, it doesn't really feel like their people are really curious.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: so, what did you do today? Or how's your day going? Like, you really want to know? Yeah. I can tell you if you really want to know. I just had an email exchange with somebody where I said, I noticed you were gone a long, long time. I heard you were on medical leave. You don't have to tell me, but I've been through a lot and you can talk to me he sent me an email back saying he thought he was going to have to have a heart transplant. And he, he, I mean, he gave me the full story. And bottom line is he's fine. And we both have the same thyroid condition, like, but his went undiagnosed for too long. So oh. if I hadn't asked, <laughs> if yeah. I hadn't asked. so you, you just never know. Some people are ready to, to pour out uh, their truth. Um, but I, At the risk of being obvious, I think people want a salesperson to engage with them in the way that you want to engage with them. Now we just need to give you permission and muscle memory uh, to do it in a way that's authentic for you, but also pushes you a little bit outside your comfort zone in terms of uh, probing more than you might want to. Initiating Mm -hmm. questions versus... uh, chit-chat, whatever you call chit-chat, what do you think the difference is between small talk and asking open-ended questions and doing what I said about resonating with things that you have in common?
0: The, the per- other person listening. I mean, that's the big, that's where it really changes, is if you're going to authentically listen to what someone else is saying, then it moves beyond
2: small talk, I think.
1: Yes. And small talk doesn't involve follow-up questions. Right. I come from the Midwest. They can talk for 10 hours and find out nothing about themselves. <laughs> it's, it's a skill. It is a superpower. They can talk about Josie down the street and Aunt Mary and cousin Ethel, who is three times once removed. And she's like, what are we even talking about? <laughs> I can't tell. Can't take it. That for me would be torture. I don't want a salesperson like that. What? No, no, that sounds awful. <laughs> and in certain social settings, that is appropriate. I don't think in the settings you're in, people want no. that from you. No. Uh, so, this is a chance for you to get, get real, get interested, and actually show people what it feels like to be listened to. Okay. You can even be. I, you could even try being transparent, like with your uh, I don't think it was your agent, but whoever says, "Well, okay, our product can't do that. That thing that you're asking about, we don't do that." But that feel, where is that on your list of concerns? on your list of priorities? You know, what if you just mm-hmm. engage with them honestly about that? Um, like, I'm sure that agent uh, saw lots of houses that weren't right for you. I was willing to point out, yeah, you're right. This is on your must not have list. We got to skip this one. If he tried to push on you, ooh, Yeah. That would not have worked. No. And they're going to find out at some point. So you just run one and then, ooh, they trust you even
2: more. Yeah.
1: So one of, some of the best salespeople I have known had no sales training and were physicists. And they knocked sales out of the park because they just went and hung out as scientists and people. And their customers knew that they knew their stuff and that they were not going to be able to be physically able to sell them something that was not going to work. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it would bother them so much as a salesperson to know that person is using something inappropriately or that's not going to be fit for them that they couldn't do it. Just a little bit. Yes, and, and physicists are incredibly uh, curious, right? It's all about the big mm-hmm. questions, so they bring that natural curiosity to. It. I have a feeling you, with your analytical mind are gonna love asking questions like I want to figure out what this looks like
2: Like, yeah what
1: does this project look like in your mind what does success look like where are the problems where and then let's prioritize what you know what are the fail points uh what Mm -hmm. are the nights to haves I can like you're you sound like you're like yeah I I am curious about that stuff
2: yeah
0: (laughs) that's what wakes me up at night sometimes (laughs) trying to figure it out (laughs)
1: Okay, so we're going to add that to the list curious. We've got curious, patient, uh, trustworthy, and trusting engineer, non judgmental, respectful, good listener, thoughtful, methodical. Yeah, that's our list. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to add warm because you've got warmth. And I think, I'm guessing that person you described by how you were the mentor. Yeah. Warm.
2: Definitely.
1: Yes. Definitely. I mean not everybody needs a warm salesperson, but I think most of us do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like who cares about the outcome and cares about you as a person, not just as a paycheck?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So what if you could call yourself something else? What would it be? Hmm. Pre-construction manager. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, what do you think about starting to just call yourself that? yeah I think the only challenge is, is I know the difference, or I know what it
0: means, but not necessarily everybody else.
1: Well, heck, I didn't know what sales engineer meant That's, weird, that's <laughs> weird for me like, <laughs> How do you engineer how do you how do you engineer sales? Are you selling? <laughs> Selling engineers <laughs> it's like in your mind it was like social engineer that's what it was sounding like in your yes mind. yes which that's an oxymoron. <laughs> yes and maybe that was their whole hang up party engineer i'm sure there are i'm sure there, there are. are yes i know
0: there are all kinds of engineers. I
1: was shocked when I came into the corporate world and saw how crazy financial people can be. I'm like, oh my <laughs> goodness. OK. Um, the place just ran out of wine, I'm being told. So um, <laughs> but, but yes, you had this at, at, the, at these two things budding heads in your mind. Yes.: um, OK, so feel free to call yourself whatever you want. Yeah, uh, until you can redefine in your head. And disconnect the word sales and social. Okay. And equate sales with curiosity, patience, trust, uh, non judgmental, respectful, listening, thoughtful, methodical. You have this person in mind, and you might wanna think about other people if you can find this real estate agent. Um, these are the people we feel good about buying from.
2: The world needs salespeople
1: like this who are patient and curious and want to make sure that you feel good during the sale and after. So you might wanna add to your list of wonderful things you have about your job that you get to help people make good decisions. So I would love for you, and if you come up with something that you want to do on your own, um, let me know. But a, a little homework assignment for you is to come up with three possible conversation
2: starters with your next client. And I, you said something that it's, it's like prying, and I know that that's my stumbling block. So i just going to have to
0: get over it until it's not uncomfortable anymore.
1: Exactly. So baby steps. That's why these questions are baby steps. And then you will start to see what happens when you ask a question and you genuinely listen. So that is so rare in the world that people pay for it. People pay to be listened to by therapists, by coaches. Uh, people avoid people who don't listen to them. So you will start to see, and then you'll go, oh, yeah, Denise was right. But you will start to see by by proof, by evidence, that people want to be asked these things. They want to resonate with people. They want to have things in common with people. They want to feel the commonality more than the difference. So remember the biology, I know you're not a biologist, but y- y- you get it, that it's science, that when we feel connected to people, we feel safe and we feel less stressed. Buying, making decisions is stressful. So when you give people that human connection, that feeling of being heard, you are helping, lower them, helping them lower their stress in this decision and increase their certainty.
2: You might also add to that list things that you'd be willing to share that would make you vulnerable about this whole process.
1: And then you'll take a baby step and ask these these questions on the phone first. Yeah, (laughs) well, I don't see many
0: people right now, so. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's perfect. Yes. But not on email. You're, you're going to... I'm no. going to pick up the phone. You can have a very authentic conversation on email. It's just, it doesn't flow as fast. Yeah. It's not,
0: it's as much. not a... Con- it's it's not a back and forth conversation.
1: It's a very slow, very, a slow- very, very slow tennis match. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So you're going to pick up the phone. So that's the uncomfortable stuff. Not, not what you thought. It's not going to be the social golfing crud that you thought was gonna be uncomfortable. It's just that little, little tiny effort of picking up the phone, asking a question, and then whew, I did it, celebrate. Yes. And, I, and, and oddly, I think it's easier for
0: me, because I usually, I was in an office, and now, right now I'm at home, because um, I don't have to be there. Um, but it's easier to talk on the phone, because I, don't have all of those other interactions that I would normally have. So I'm not as drained, if that makes sense. yeah. I can certainly focus on that until it becomes more comfortable.
1: Yeah. I'm just, you're making me aware of how we use our eyes so much more than our ears. And when we just close our eyes and focus on what we hear, oh, we can hear so much. And you'll start to notice people's voice change when they trust you. Mm -hmm. When they feel a connection to you, when they feel calm. All right. Well, anything else you want to ask me or share before we? we No,
0: I think that these are great tangible things for me to do. And that's what I needed.
1: Thank you, my friend, for listening to this podcast. And I hope you noticed that Veronica feels better, even though her situation is still the same. Situations are not what makes us stuck. They're not what makes us feel bad. It's our thoughts that make us feel bad. So we just changed the way she's looking at this. And now you can see that she has ways of managing this so that she actually doesn't just do her job well, but actually enjoys her job. And if you enjoy this podcast, I would love if you would give me a review and a rating and tell me how you're using the podcast to make yourself feel better so you can do better and have better results in your life. And if you would like more resources, please visit work-lifebrilliance.com and see what we have to offer and join our community. All right, take care, my friend.
0: Thanks for listening to Work Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work Life Brilliance Academy where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.